Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, we got a Moon Knight trailer. We get our first real solid look at Oscar Isaac as Marvel's Moon Knight. I think he looks great. Arthur, maybe not so much. (laughs) Joss Whedon decides to kick off his rehabilitation tour by crashing the plane into the side of the mountain. It's going to take a while for him to get past this one, and we'll tell you all about it. Arthur had me watch a show called Smash, Saturday Morning All-Star Hits. It is Kyle Mooney's parody of 90s Saturday morning programming, and it was really funny for a few minutes. (laughs) I'm here for it, baby. Woohoo, nostalgia! I know, I know you liked it. Oh, we're going to get into that. We are also going to get into Peacemaker. It is James Gunn's brilliantly violent and violently brilliant new show on HBO Max, and I'm here for that. Yeah, I agree. And lastly, we finish up with Book of Boba Fett. We've got episode four. We've been really, really positive and really complimentary up to this point, but it's starting to become a bit of a slog, and we're hoping that The Mandalorian showing up in episode five is going to fix this thing right up. Ah. So join us. On <laughs> I know that show needs some baby Grogu or some Mandalorian. <laughs> I think in the I think when we were doing the intro, I said season five. I think uh, it, or season four. It was episode four. Becomes yeah, a bit of a yeah. slog. And uh, speaking of which, I have some cleanup on our uh, Jedi talk from last week. I got a couple of things fucked up. Number Uh-oh. one. Uh, Luke kills the Rancor in Jedi, not in the Empire Strikes Back. How Obviously, dare you make that mistake? How dare you I... make that mistake? Number two, <laughs> uh, I referred to uh, Black Kirstan as Black Karak. Uh, mm. Somehow I messed that up. Of course, you can't buy a vowel in this guy's name. It's K-R-R-S-A-N-T-A-N. So mm-hmm. I remembered him from the comic books. I did not look the name up before we talked about it, and I got the fucking name wrong. Mm. Screw it up. The last one is that uh, the district outside of Moss Eisley is, in fact, Moss Espa, not Moss Isle, as I mm-hmm. incorrectly refer to it a number of times during last week's episode. So just wanted to mop that up to get started, that uh, that I do I do not like to mess up Star Wars fandom. And uh, so I, I realized when I edited, it was like, oh, God, you sound idiotic. You got all three things wrong. So <laughs> there we are. I feel those better. Are, now. How those for all you, all for you guys that are into, uh, into the deep cut stuff. I'm fine, sir. That's right. Uh, I'm fine, man. Uh, a lot of great stuff come out came out this week. Uh, a lot of shows we're probably not going to discuss, like Euphoria, and um, and uh, Ozark. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just having a great time. <laughs> well, shoot, you you um. Yeah, you're watching a bunch of stuff that uh, is not on the assigned reading list. I, mm-hmm. We had a little problem with you with you being caught up on Peacemaker, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But you're all caught up now, though, right? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, you're a goddamn liar. All right, I'm going to try not to spoil that for you. But um, No, no, I am. I know you're I caught up on. I was just joking. I, 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 caught, I watched every episode. <laughs> Well, I'm going to get you caught up on a couple other things. We're going to talk about the Moonlight trailer, but I had two really funny stories, uh, well, kind of funny, that had just come out that I wanted to cover with you real quick. Number one, um, it was nice knowing you. The zombie apocalypse is officially upon us. Why? So, uh, well, I was telling you a little earlier. So it was recently in the news that about two days ago, 
uh, there was a crash involving a pickup truck carrying a trailer with a hundred monkeys, which were huh? on their way to a CDC research facility after arriving at uh, Kennedy Airport. This crash occurred in Pennsylvania, and all of the authorities involved swear that they have rounded up all 100 of the monkeys and that not a single monkey has escaped. Oh, man. What's, what's up with them, like, completely copying, like, just, like, the bad movie plot and just make it, making, it, making it reality? <laughs> this is some dude in a pickup truck pulling a trailer with a hundred fucking you. I want to see like X-Men style fucking semis if we are transporting shit like this. But somehow it's always just fucking Cletus with the trailer bringing a hundred <laughs> CDC monkeys through the state of Pennsylvania. Uh. The other thing that I thought was really telling was that apparently the CDC provided backup support to the local law enforcement in the form of helicopters and uh, officers outfitted with heat-sensing uh, technology goggles and heat-sensing cameras for their helicopters so that they could be sure that they found all 100 of these completely harmless monkeys. Lord. Just imagine, also, they've man. said that uh, they've captured all of them, but they also said, if you encounter one in the wild, do not approach it. <laughs> like, how are you going to say... How are you going to say we have captured all the monkeys, but if we didn't and you see one in the wild, oh, do not go near it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get the monkey cron variant. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is It is 28 days later. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. See, remember, remember, we called it today. That's horrible. In less yeah. horrible news, um, everybody on Facebook is loving this new game called uh, Waddle's Wordle. And it's a browser word game that just has sprung up. And every time I look at Facebook, somebody's posting their their Wordle score, their Wordle score. And mm. so something that's really interesting to note about this game, though, is, is that it's not an app. It's a browser game. But right now, the number one app on the iTunes store is an app called Wordle. Hmm. And this is a mistake. This app called Wordle was invented by a guy named Steven Cravata about five years ago as just a little word game that he programmed and put up on the Apple Store. This has nothing to do with the viral hit Waddle's Wordle, which is a browser game and has no app. So this guy woke up about two weeks ago and realized that out of nowhere, he had like five million downloads. <laughs> oh, no. That's freaking dope. Because of mistaken identity. Um, and and you said it's free, or did he make some money? He made a ton of money. Whoa. A small mountain of money. But here's where the story gets fantastic. So uh, Stephen Cravata didn't feel right about the whole thing. He had mm. literally just hit the lottery in that he happened to have an app that had the same title as an app, and people were downloading it not knowing that this wasn't the app. So he had this crisis of conscience and was like, what do I do with all of this money? So he is giving all of the proceeds from the app to Boost West Oakland, which is a youth mentorship program based out of Oakland, California, uh, that tries to teach kids uh, life skills and to help them advance themselves in mm. underprivileged areas. Fantastic. I mean, this guy literally hit the lotto and was like, it's a mistake of it's a case of mistaken identity. I shouldn't have one cent of this money. And he has literally given it all away. Now, representatives from Bruce West Oakland said they were approached completely, you know, unprovoked by this guy and said, 
I want to just give you this small fortune. He hasn't said how much money he's donated, but he has said mm. it is all of it. So, like, faith in humanity restored a little bit, right? That's good. That's awesome. I love stories like that. So I figured before we got into some, like, stuff that's going on and things we don't like, and then there's going to be some more ugliness later on. You want to tell people where to, you want to tell people where to download that game? Well, it's the number one game on, on the Apple iTunes store on the app store. Mm, So if you just open up your iPhone, you go to casual games. It's number one. It's called Wordle. And he, it's not the Wordle that everybody is playing online. This is literally a case of mistaken identity. Waddle's Wordle is a browser game that is very, very popular right now. You see everybody posting those little green boxes on their Facebook pages. That's what that is. This is a case of mistaken identity. I don't know too much about the game, except that it is some kind of word puzzle game. But Mm. millions and millions of people downloaded it by accident. This guy ended up with a bunch of money that he didn't really feel entitled to. And so he gave it all away. And that's fucking fantastic. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So also beautiful and fantastic, the trailer for Moon Knight. Which has just got our boy Oscar Isaac freaking out in every other scene. Just, he has no idea what's going on. And it's, it's fantastic. His British accent is fantastic, even though the character's not British. So that poses a bunch of questions. Well, he got all those personalities, though. Well, that's the thing. So for people who don't know, Marvel is producing a show. It's going to come out in March. It's called Moon Knight. Moon Knight is effectively Marvel's Batman in that he is um, very similarly dressed, except that he's white instead of black, and he has a similar aesthetic and similar weapon set and background in that he's, you know, he has money for all of his gear and whatever it is. He's Marvel's Batman. The difference is, is that Marvel really plays up the, the mental health aspect where he has multiple personality disorder. That's what I really loved about the trailer. Um, I mean, we haven't really seen Oscar Isaac's really sink his teeth in a role like this in a while. He he typically plays a lot of laid back characters. Yeah, he doesn't get to flex. Yeah, so to really see him be put through the throes is, I think, that's immediately the 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 highlight of this thing. I mean, because he's such a cinematic actor, you know, and uh, so that's that's what's really cool. I, I just really liked what they were doing all throughout the trailer. Um, oh, the aesthetic is great. I love the real tight, like, uh, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead-style shots on mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac's face. Like, the real oh, yeah. tight, bubbly shots. It looks so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So, so that's fantastic. Um, what were you about to say? No, I was just saying the whole thing has looks like it has great tone. Um, mm-hmm. I especially, I kind of like the more organic approach to the costume mm-hmm. rather than having to explain that Mark Spector builds special ops gear and makes mm-hmm. his own costume. It looks like mm-hmm. they're going to go with something a bit more organic, and I think it's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I like I like how like it was like summoned to his body, but ultimately, I didn't like the reveal of the costume. That was the only part of the trailer I didn't really care for that much. It just, just I mean, the costume was never really an interesting costume in the, in the comic books either. No, you know? you're right. Yeah, so to to try to make that work, I mean, you know, Mar- Marvel they they tend to be. I feel I feel kind of weird um, being this judgy about the costumes because it's definitely <laughs> comics accurate. Before we used to be whiny babies all over and over again about them not getting things right. 
Oh, well, so. the X-Men where, you know, it was like, you cannot put that on screen. They wear black leather, you know, special op suits the whole series. Yellow spandex. <laughs> Yellow spandex. They even joke about the fact that you couldn't possibly wear that. And so, but then Marvel was like, yeah, you can. Yeah. But I think it makes sense because Moon Knight's design is basically, you know, Batman style armor with a mm. cape and hood. Yeah. So, you know, rather than a I'm, cowl. I'm sure they're going to I'm sure they're going to make it work, but I didn't really care for the I didn't care for the reveal too much of the costume, but the uh, 90% of the trailer I loved it. No doubt. So we're looking forward to that. Unfortunately, it does bear noting that uh Gaspard uh Villiel, who is going to play Midnight Man, one of the villains, Anton Mogart has unfortunately died at the age of 37. Did he finish uh, he the whole a, season? Uh yes, the season is shot. But certainly this would eliminate any possibility for a season two. So I'm not quite sure what they'll do with the character yeah, in the show. Guy, but sucks. yeah, unfortunately had a collision while skiing and it cost him his life. So, yeah. but at least he, he got to do some stuff and uh, he's very, very active in France in French cinema. And he was sort of just starting to break into American cinema when he passed away. But uh, so that sort of puts a bit of a pall on it. Ethan Hawke plays the other villain in the, in the show. But yeah. it, it looks very, very promising, and I think you know it would be a it would be a fitting last work to get to be part of such a large universe and something so many people enjoy. So yeah. I hope that you know perhaps his family takes some solace in that. Yeah, Ethan's been playing a lot of villains lately. Mm-hmm. He's like a serial killer in in another movie uh, that's about to come out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it in front of me right now, but he does have another larger project um, that, mm-hmm. that was just releasing. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so that's sort of the the basic news. Uh, next thing we were going to talk about today, I think, was uh, Joss Whedon recently had an absolute bombshell mm, uh, the article rails. come out in New York Magazine uh, in their vulture section. And, man, do they pick his freaking bones off this. That's not to call them <laughs> a bunch of vultures, but I'm saying this man committed Harry Carey right in front of him, so they'd be mm. foolish not to. Yeah. Uh, um, but the article was called The Undoing of Joss Whedon by Leela Shapiro. This has had a huge resonating shockwave through the entire freaking entertainment industry. Joss Whedon, of course, an incredibly talented writer. And for a long time, one of the longest, most celebrated feminist writers and showrunners in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And then, you know, recently he had a whole very messy divorce with his uh, wife, with his first wife. And she sort of blew up his spot and said, he's not the guy everybody thinks he is. And I'm going to tell you some stuff. And then other stuff started coming out and the ball started rolling. And suddenly Joss Whedon, you know, the creator of Buffy and Firefly and Avengers one and two and so much stuff. Toy Story. uh, Toy Story was fucking canceled. And so he's been really, really quiet since this whole thing sort of blew up. We did a whole bunch of episodes early in the production of this show on The Nevers. And that was sort of the last thing he was publicly working on before Mm -hmm. he got shuffled off to director hell. And now he's starting to talk a little bit about his thoughts on things. And I think maybe he thought he was making it better and he just made it so much fucking worse. Yeah, I mean, some of the things he was saying, uh, he was talking about Ray Fisher, about how he's a bad actor in life and in the movie. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, 
<laughs> I, I looked at this and when I was doing my notes on it, I was like, let me see if I could print it out. And my printer wanted it to be like 30 pages. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not printing this out. I'm just going to take notes. Out Holy of this cow. Like this guy talks too much. This entire article should be, there should have just been a press agent in the corner saying, I'm really sorry about everything that happened. I'm taking some time to work on myself and to fix the problems. And some of the things that I have been doing are unacceptable and I take full responsibility. And my hope is to win everyone's respect and trust back in the future. Thank you so much and have a great day. But That's the whole thing you should ever Tom, say for Tom, the next two years. But Tom, dude, that's somebody with humility, man. <laughs> oh my God. No. And it's clear from this. He has none. That's what I'm saying. Like he's, He's a, he's a clear he's a clear narcissist as are a lot of geniuses. Yeah. You know. Uh and he's in he's been in a huge bubble and I'm sure he's had a lot to say since all of this stuff has happened and I'm sure he thinks he's correct. You know? It, it's amazing. You know, when it comes down to it. It's amazing how completely unaware he can be and yeah. how absolutely socially inept i mean i've never seen somebody fail to read the room this hard i i was talking to rachel and i just looked at her, i was like he's one of the richest men in hollywood where is his publicist just stepping in and going nope nope we are not doing this we are this is over but think think about but think about the type of person that that guy would listen to he's been operating a certain way in hollywood for over 30 years yeah you know 30 years that's 30 years of 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 habits and and knowledge of the industry secrets that he has from people you know logging in all those hours of people i'm sure everybody's not innocent in this too including those actors and as far as stuff that they would do as well you know sure but, but you know like him i'm just i'm just saying like for for him to just really just jump on this uh like what like what a publicist would would have to say like i just i don't really find that really believable unless unless you have a little bit more humility and in which case he probably wouldn't be in this situation well that's exactly it and i mean he spends two days talking to leela shapiro about all this stuff and his answers his responses to things were so fucking tone deaf where he goes you know he had he had it's been verified. He threatened Gal Gadot's career, you know, that I will make your life hell in Hollywood if you don't do what I want, because he wanted to do his typical Joss Whedon ass shots where you start at the ankles of a sexy lady and you bring the shot all the way up and you stop on her fucking ass as she then runs into mm -hmm. battle. And Gal Gadot was like, you know what? I'm not doing that shot. I don't like this. This is bullshit. And I'm not doing it. And so he basically took her aside. He's like, you will fucking do it or I will end your career. And she's like, I'm calling human resources. Fuck you. I'm Gal fucking Godot. Who the fuck do you think mm -hmm. you are? And she was right. And he got straightened out and he shot those scenes with a mm -hmm. body double. Those scenes are yeah, in that show. You know, the Justice League, so many unnecessary goddamn ass shots. And when asked about this in this interview, he goes, well, we all know that Gal Gadot's first language isn't English. And I tend to use some very flowery language. So I think she misunderstood me. She responded because yeah. New York Magazine reached out and she was like, I understood perfectly what he was saying. And I'm sure yeah. she did. I am absolutely certain she did. So it's that kind yeah. of fucking audacity. And I'm sure that the actors didn't like it. You think about it, you know, Zack Snyder is very improv very let people go. If you want to run with the scene mm -hmm. a little bit, very flexible. 
Joss Whedon is completely inflexible. His perspective is, I am a genius writer. My words are genius. You will read and say the words exactly as I, I have written them. I won't hold... I won't hold that against him because, like, there's plenty of directors that are like that. Writer-directors versus, like, you know, act actor-directors. No, no, totally, totally. But when you are brought on to a fucking project that is, like, 90% done, those actors did not sign on to fucking work with you and your goddamn method. They signed on to do this picture a certain way with a certain director in a certain environment, and you come in... And you throw a monkey wrench into the entire chemistry of that cast, then you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. He had to realize that, like, this wasn't a, uh, his name ain't on the movie. You, I don't know. You got you got to you, you got to roll with the punches. I think that, no, but I think set. there's got to be give on both sides. And by all accounts, yeah. Joss Whedon is not interested in ever giving. Yeah, I I mean, if I'm comparing this to other directors, like, I just don't see it being that much different. If another director is brought on, like the things will change and like they have their directing style, he's not going to immediately start acting like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zack Snyder. No, I don't you think know? he has to be Zack Snyder, but I also and think especially, that especially, especially, especially when they're bringing, they were like Warner Brothers, who's at the, at the behest of this mess too, were bringing him to quote unquote fix the movie. So like I mean, that means he did a bunch of rewrites and was trying to make the movie the way he saw fit. So I'm I'm not gonna hold that against him, you know, because that that's what happens on a lot of movie sets. I think that the the problem here is that the biggest issue is that Joss Whedon was held up and was happy to hold himself up as a feminist icon. It's one of these things oh, yeah. where like. Uh, not not to to be you know reductive but like this article does not come out about some kind of trash talking comedian you know or mm-hmm. somebody who who doesn't put themselves out there as a feminist icon he always held himself mm-hmm. up to be that role when behind the scenes he was clearly anything but that and that's mm-hmm. the part of the thing is that if you're going to be sanctimonious and you're going to you're going to go and you know wave your flag like that well then it it better be clean because if it's not it's going to come out and people will only celebrate your fall even more because in addition to being shitty you are now also a tremendous hypocrite and mm-hmm. that's what it appears Joss Whedon is he is uh he's a creepy little weirdo who suddenly found himself the toast of Hollywood and decided that it was his time and he was going to do and say and act any fucking way that he wanted to because now he had the power after feeling powerless for so long. This is my words and his. If you read the article, I encourage everyone, go online, read the article. We can't possibly dig into all of the fucking shit of it here, but man, does Mm -hmm. he come off as just the absolute most tremendous tool I read the entire thing, all fucking, you know, 35 printer pages of it, and he just comes off as the most sanctimonious, completely unaware fucking tool. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the writer. That was literally just quoting him. Yeah. I don't know. So that sucks. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I don't know. Other things that suck include uh, Saturday morning all-star hits. 
<laughs> terrible. You're so terrible. Oh, you for that. loved it. You loved it, didn't you? I bet you loved it. You watched you watched all eight. Yeah, episodes? I loved it. Not all eight. I seen like uh, I'm up to episode five. I think. Oh my god, I'm actually further along in this than you are. I watched the whole goddamn thing. I'm never getting that time back. Uh... <laughs> Why don't you break this down? Right. So what is what is Saturday morning All Star hits on Netflix? So Kyle Mooney, I th- believe he's still on SNL. I don't think he's left it yet. He's always been typically known for like just really weird offbeat sketches and sometimes like having a 90s hue to them and 90s edge to the to the sketches whenever he was able to do his own sketches on on SNL mm-hmm. he's been able to uh, strike off on his own and and make a show on uh Netflix that's like a hybrid of live action and animation uh all based off of um like the the, the complete milieu of uh, Saturday morning cartoons and some some of the like live action intros that would lead into like a Saturday morning block of uh, cartoons, mm-hmm. and it's just so great. Is <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> he he takes he takes the concept and of course flips it on its head and subverts expectations, and all while really giving you the feel of just a, a complete blast <laughs> of all of those early '90s cartoons and stuff. So I I liked it a bit more than Tom, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to just for a little uh, um, context for for the listeners. Um, so I entered this with a little bit of a misconception, actually. So you you're in California and I'm in New York, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you call me and it's like midnight over here, and it was you know <laughs> a Friday night and it was about eleven thirty and I had had a couple of drinks and you call up like oh Arthur what the fuck man what's going on and you're like have you seen this show Smash I'm like no I have no idea what this is man what is this shit and you're like it's it's Kyle Mooney doing Saturday morning TV you know cartoon show parodies and I was like Paul Mooney doing Saturday morning cartoon show parodies <laughs> that that sounds fucking weird I, and isn't he dead like I'm thinking that in my head and I'm like and 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 somehow the words came out of my mouth wait Kyle Mooney is doing the Saturday how how is that possible? This is the thing, Tom. And you're like, listen, Tom. He has listen, a show and it's Saturday Tom. morning cartoon spoof. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that that does sound fucking weird. I'll definitely watch that. So yeah, so I put it on and I get Don Atari on my. T- I was like, this isn't Paul Mooney. Listen, Tom. The thing is, <laughs> listen, listen, Tom. Listen, I I could not make Saturday morning cartoons back then because they would steal everything from me. White people will steal everything from me. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Paul Mori. Yeah, I mean, fuck, you gave Mario Cantone Steam by Valley. Anything's possible. <laughs> People forget Mario fucking Cantone had his own like Saturday morning. We're going to host cartoons and do wacky segments in the early 90s show. Like, and he's fucking mm-hmm. crazy. That show was also fueled by cocaine. <laughs> so, yeah, no, this look, this show is funny. Like what Kyle Mooney is doing, I know he's not Paul Mooney, and that's a shame. But that would be a show to watch. But he's like <laughs> legit. The bits are funny. So the whole setup is that it's like one of these hosted shows where they he has two brothers, they're twins named Skip and Traybar, and they're hosting. You know, we're gonna watch all of these crazy, you know, fucked up cartoons that we made up. So they made up a bunch of cartoons like Randy, which is a play on 
Denver, The Last Dinosaur. You have the Creator Crittles, which is a play on the Care Bears, the Strong Amoles, mm-hmm. which is basically Thundercats, and a bunch of other mm-hmm. ones. And they are super funny the first time I see it. <laughs> Paul Rudd is hysterical in the Care Bears knockoff, the Creator Crittles, but like, I feel like th- this thing needs some fucking editing. Like, this should maybe be. Mm-hmm three episodes. Although I will admit that I did enjoy the last two episodes more than I thought I would, but you don't get that. You don't get like the fatigue. Like it's a gag, it's a spoof. And then once the, the bloom is off the rose on the novelty of it, where's the staying power for you? Oh man. I, I was dying. I was dying. (laughs) Oh my God. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm laughing at you laughing at this dumbass show. <laughs> Look at Nails. He gets the aesthetic. This thing looks like 1992. It the the power glove knockoff, the power mitten. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's fucking funny. Sonic Yum Gum is like an exact one-to-one of those early 90s bubble tape, you know, aesthetics. All of the Oh yeah, 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 look Sonic. Like <laughs> uh, they all look like Saved by the Bell. All of the fucking fonts straight up are Saved by the Bell fonts. I mean, he gets it. He knows what he's doing. And when it's funny, it's funny. But I feel like it's the the show equivalent of the Peter Griffin smacks his shin gag in Family Guy. Yeah. Where the joke is that the joke goes on too long. Yeah. And you're just like, when the fuck is this going to end? And it becomes this place where I think performance art gets conflated with comedy where it's like, isn't it funny how we obviously should have ended this 30 seconds ago and we made you sit through 30 seconds of this noise. And then it's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you just made me sit through fucking 30 seconds of this goddamn noise. Like, like on the one hand, if you're good enough at parodying something that sucks, you two also suck. (laughs) (laughs) and so like it's a stupid kids show designed for five to 12 year olds that we would have thoroughly enjoyed and they spoof it perfectly but after three hours it's like i'm watching a stupid kids show and i'm a grown-ass man like oh i get it the fucking care bears say fucked up shit and you know like these Thundercats have jobs working in a sub shop now. Like, and everything is also like, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's supposed to be sad. And then there's just never a fucking punchline. It's just, it's just weird for the sake of weird. I don't know. I don't know. I, I see the punchlines all over the place. Like the, the constant running gag of the, uh, subs. <laughs> Right, because it's a spoof on how catchphrases like, did I do that? Just fucking permeated every goddamn pore of television in the 90s. It's a good gag the first 10 times. That's all Uh, I'm saying. They find good ways to stretch it out. Uh, Oh, God. I like your reverence, you know? Uh, Like, I mean, because, you know, the key to comedy is surprise, man. And, when, you know, of course, if you, there's going to be diminishing returns if you watch this again. I don't think I'm going to probably watch it again. There's a couple of episodes I'll probably watch again, though. <laughs> the one with the king is so... I died, man. I tell you, I, I died. I thought that joke was so fucking stupid. Oh, my God. Again, to me, that bit is funny if you just cut it in half. 
just cut that whole oh, fucking man. segment in half. This is why you were like, <laughs> Kyle Mooney's always being held back by other cooks in the kitchen changing his shit on SNL. And I'm like, they're called <laughs> editors and they're doing a good fucking job. <laughs> if this is what he does when they go home, then they are very important people. And I hope that they get paid more. <laughs> I guess it's not for everybody. It was, it was perfectly for me. Me and my friends like lost our minds on this. <laughs> and I was mildly intoxicated when I watched it. And it still didn't work. What I would say to somebody is if you want to check this out, watch episode one, watch episode three, watch episode six, and you're all set. You get the fucking gag. And thankfully in the <laughs> no, last no, few episodes, no, no, they no. changed the gags up a little bit. You got to watch one through six because there's, there's a continuing story going on with, with Skip and Trayboy. Uh, all right. Well, then watch them all at your own peril. <laughs> if you got three hours of your life that you don't want back, then you can sit down and binge watch this. Maybe it would be funnier if I watched like one episode a week for, you know, six weeks. I don't I don't know. It's just it the gag. The gag got old. I thought it was hysterical no, no, the first episode. I feel episode. like this is a perfectly bingeable show. I thought it was hysterical the first episode, funny the second episode, and then I'm like, yo, this fucking dinosaur is fucking depressing. <laughs> and that's supposed to be the thing. This is Di Denver, the last dinosaur, having an existential crisis. And like, that's only fun to a point. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't oh, for me. Oh, my God. The know. side characters are so great. The the fire the firefighter girlfriend voiced by Emma um, Stone. The, the, I mean, they got they got some good people on this. Yo, Chris Summer is legit funny. Holy oh shit, yeah, man! That is a voice from your childhood. When you hear Chris Summer doing her mm -hmm. typical '80s cartoon voice, you know it. And it, it like there's a five year old in you that wakes up and is like, I know that voice. Pre mm -hmm. Summers is a vision, and it, they got all the right people. I mean, by all rights, oh, yeah. it's very well made, and it is a perfect parody for what it is. I just think, I think it's the Peter Griffin smacks his shin joke. I think it's twice as long as it needs to be. If this were three episodes, you tighten up the story. I love it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll let. Hey, if you're listening to this, go and find out for yourself. Little Brucey doesn't fucking work at all. By the way. That gag where it's like yeah. they're making fun of the Bobby's world and and actually to call out life with Louie. Uh, I, I agree with you. You know, they're making fun of where every stand-up comedian had their own show of them as a child. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them, man. And, you know, R.I.P. <laughs> Louie Anderson, who just lost this week. Uh, yeah. You know, Louis. you got a big prominent gap in your teeth. Work it. Work it for millions of he dollars. He stood the test of time, man. He he's got he was working consistently. All he did and was like work. in so many different yeah. ways. Game like, show hosts, like cartoons. Game show hosts. Like then he like he like struck it big on baskets, winning Emmys. You know, like uh, working on that show. I don't know if you heard. Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then, but he was also like one of the most uh, popular comedians of the eighties. I mean, he was huge. Oh, in definitely. The 80s. So he had, he had a yeah. huge career that spanned a lot of different medium, uh, mediums. And yeah. I, fir I first saw him on coming to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. working at, at, at uh, McDowell's. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the cartoon too. Life of Louie was like, really. that was good. a good cartoon. Had a lot of heart, had a lot yeah. of heart. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, uh, but that little Brucey is a play on that. And then actually, I think Pro Bros might have been my favorite segment 
Um, except that again, there's an incredibly fucking esoteric joke to it where we get it. You're making a spoof of pro stars, but then you have to make the, the gimmick so amazingly specific and bizarre that I think you just lose the thing of it, but that was legit funny. But I think, I think that's really all I need to say about Saturday. I really, if I never talk about this show again, maybe it'll be too soon. Yeah, I do agree <laughs> with you on that. that I, I agree with you on the on the little little Brucey little little Brucey did go really long. <laughs> oh, fucking so it, it, unnecessary! The gave whole me thing. mild anxiety. That's what I'm saying, like, and it's designed to <laughs> again. It's comedy. That's like, isn't it funny how uncomfortable I can make you? And at some point, you're like, you're just making me uncomfortable. I think I'm done. I think I'm gonna change yeah. the channel. <laughs> yeah, and well, then let's when change I change the channel. The channel Ah, nice, nice. Both of us, both of us, right at the same time. Like, that's the transition, clearly. <laughs> Where are we changing the channel to, son? We're changing the channel to... What are we changing to? <laughs> this is why I'm the host. This is why I direct traffic over here. We're going to Peacemaker. <laughs> We're going to talk Peacemaker, because I figure we'll wrap up with Book of Boba effects. We only have one episode to talk okay, about. Okay, cool. But I, I want to just take some time and talk about the sheer madness that is peacemaker. Um, all right. So, so, so real honest, honest talk here, baby. Level it down. Let's bring it down in real close. How many episodes you watch? I saw them all. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so where are you? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll change my, so where were you fucking with me earlier? Is that what that was? Yes. <laughs> I said I was fucking with you. Yeah, you're such a good actor. I, act, I acted like I acted like I didn't watch them. Then I was like, "Yeah, I watched them." Arthur's like, "It's acting." <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep this in the podcast. <laughs> well, good acting, then I suppose. <laughs> so, you th- what'd you think? What'd you think? Oh man, uh, I had a really good time. You know, first of all, you know it's James Gunn, man. Like, dude, like the guy has just been knocking everything down. Like, all these last past ten years. Like, oh man, he's just, 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 it's just fantastic um, what he's able to do with this. I do feel like it's a little writery, uh, a, a lot. It's a little mumblecore. I like it. Yeah. It it relies it relies on a lot of like certain things to keep it going. Cause like I'm not I'm not quite sure throughout the whole thing what's really going on with Peacemaker. You know, like, you know. Yeah. Because at one point we're seeing that he's super insecure. Then at one point he's like super crass and crazy. Then at some, then at one point he's super sweet. It's it's a lot to balance the, that amount of uh, facets to to a character. Oh yeah, no, Cena plays it super complex. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing I can give to John. Like he's really going for it into being the lead in a TV show like this. Uh, like I think he's just been killing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cast is fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, the comedy the comedy is great. The action pieces are sick. The music is great. Well, yo, heck yeah. It's so great. Like they <laughs> there's a one episode where they, they do a metal version of the Foster the People song. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz they were making fun of the Foster the People song uh-huh. earlier you know in the what episode. That song's about? <laughs> like what do you mean you like that song? That song's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. uh 
Yeah, but the but the thing that bothers me is like it's something that's like outside of the actual show. It's just like so y'all DC y'all make this like DCU live action you know TV series when there's no other like DC EU like live action TV series other than like um what you call it a Doom Patrol. But Doom Patrol is not part of that universe as, as well. It's like part of this the the uh CW net um, uh, universe, so so it's just it's just frustrating that they they can't really get their shit together. You and I, you and I see this very differently. So your complaint, let me just see if I understand this. Your complaint with this show is that there isn't some whole other show that exists that complements it. <laughs> That's your argument. You're um, like, no. I would really like this show more if there were other shows that this show referenced. <laughs> just watch the fucking show. They got to start somewhere. No, no, man. It's just weird that they're starting with Peacemaker. They have this to start weird. somewhere. Like, no, no. If you're going to let somebody establish a tone and a fucking world that you're going to live in, let James Gunn establish that world. Let him establish the world. Then go make other shows that play in the fucking world that he created. I think that's a great But that's not going to be consistent. That's a, the, like, I know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know. It's not you don't be know. You're so wrong. Yes, we, we, we've seen it. Nope. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen nope. it, Tom. Nope. I think you're wrong. You don't know shit. You said that Sony was going to fucking snatch up Spider-Man. You were wrong. Oh, the one time I was wrong. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think, okay, this is the number one rated DC property ever created. We are setting the tone. If they are smart, they are setting the tone. And now that James Gunn has built the sandbox, you just let other people fucking play in it. I really Key really point, Tom, that. if they were smart. Key, Tom. Key. Key, if they were smart. Well, Okay. We are both. They're always bungling stuff up over there. We're both just being optimistic or pessimistic about hypotheticals. And, and either of those arguments is stupid. We don't know what they're going to do. We don't know. <laughs> Your argument right now is this is so good. They are going to fuck this up. Like, I know it. I just know it. It's just too good. DC isn't allowed to have nice things. And I guarantee that they will take something this amazing and just fuck it up. And my argument is like. It's really amazing. Objectively, subjectively, everyone agrees this is fucking great. They would be stupid to fuck it up. And your argument is like, they are definitely that stupid. Like, there's no answers to be had here, man. It's just, let's enjoy it. They made something Look, I, great. I, 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 I definitely enjoy the show. I just wish they had their stuff together to where they were actually making uh, other shows of this amount of quality. That's, that's my thing. All right, well, that's not a well, critique of this just show. Not like, the case. I wish they had other shows that were this good, too. I, so do I. Then I agree with you. I wish that those shows so existed, but they that's don't. My, that's my only issue, you know? That is so an absurd... With, with the show, it's, you it's know, great. we had moved on, and then you had to say it again. And I'm like, that's the silliest argument I've ever heard. My gripe about this show is that there aren't other shows as good. Yes! Like, what the fuck do I do with that? Because I would like to enjoy DC content. If they were consistent about it. They gave you decent content and it's called Peacemaker. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I, want, I want more. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they served you this beautiful, incredible chocolate cake. And it's like, well, that's a 10 inch round chocolate. And it really is a little, you know, inappropriate to serve it without at least complimenting eight inch round vanilla and strawberry cakes. 
<laughs> and they're like, but don't you like the cake we got you? I, I would like it more if you had served it properly with complimenting oh, smaller shush. cakes surrounding anyway. it. Anyway. That are orbiting my beautiful cake. Anyway. You I love the intro selfish to the show. Fuck. Fantastic. <laughs> I love the intro. The intro is I love the genius. intro. It's, pure it's so fantastic. I love Eagly. Eagly is the best thing ever. Oh, let's not <laughs> spoil it too. Let's not spoil anything. Let's just talk about the show a little bit and talk about some of the fun shit in it. And the, but let's try and spoil as little as possible. Okay, sure. You know, like like I said, cast is great. You know, um, the the fight the fighting has been fantastic. You know, get, getting to understand Peacemaker. Uh, a little bit more, you you know, you just understand more about the man, and and it has been interesting so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Cena has such an amazing face. I don't know what kind of lenses they're using to shoot this show, but his head is so big. <laughs> it's like so. Jack Kirby used to draw shit like just slightly out of proportion and it gave everything this otherworldly like like part of his thing was like you've got to learn the rules and then you learn how to break them for effect and i feel like john cena's body breaks the laws of physics ever so slightly but to amazing effect he is so yeah. big and captivating on screen and the well, way that he a, can he's move an action his face, figure He's a living action figure. Yeah, that's a great yeah, way to he's put a, it. He's an 80s action figure, I should say. Oh, there you go. Yeah, what yeah. a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. He looks so totally. good. He looks so good. Uh, Robert Patrick as his white supremacist dad who also builds all yeah. his tech. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Robert Patrick is amazing as he just, like, berates John Cena through this show. He's perfect. And then we also get, just running down the cast real quick for people who don't know, we have Danielle Brooks playing Leota Adebayo. We have Freddie Stroma playing Vigilante, who I think has such a great voice that he's going to be doing cartoons for, like, the next 25, 30 years of his life. Like. Mm. And I think that when when this guy shows up to the audition and his name is Stroma, like uh, James Gunn's like, yeah, that's a good sign. You're in. I don't even care if you can't <laughs> act. You're great. Because he's so like, he's like a murderous Arthur. Oh, yeah. Tick. Yeah, he's great. Just great. He's, just, he's been great the whole time. Uh, he's I a Harry Tasha Potter Jefferson. kid, apparently. Like he was a uh, like a B character in all of the Harry Potter movies, but I'd never heard of him before, but. Fuck, he's funny. Oh, which character? Which character did he play? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the IMDb page up in front of me, but apparently, a prominent enough character. He I don't. Did some voice I don't recognize work. his face. That's what I'm saying. Me neither. But he's he's like a he's a B background dude, and apparently, he did some voice work on the video games as well. Hmm. Yeah. So he's actually British. Yes. Yes, he is. But he does a great whiny oh, American cool. voice, and he's so good as vigilante. When uh, there's one scene where. You know, Peacemaker is having trouble taking the shot. And he's like, give me the gun and I shoot you and I shoot you. <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, doo, 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 doo. oh, my God. And he's, and he's so like casual. It's great. He He's basically playing Deadpool, essentially. You know what I mean? In a weird sort of way. He's got that very Ryan Reynolds high pitched timber to his voice. And at oh, one point, crap. Peacemaker and another character are smoking a joint. And he looks at me, and goes. You guys sure are lucky that stuff's legal now because about five years ago, I would have shot you both right in the head. <laughs> and they're looking at him like, what? 
And then later on when uh, John Cena is talking about how his dad is, you know, a little bit or a lot of bit racist and stuff. And he goes, your dad's racist. Yeah. You haven't shot him yet. And he goes, no, he's my dad. I love him. Oh, I would have shot him. You can't be racist. That's not right. <laughs> like he's so just like flat and it's, he plays, he plays this vigilante character. So great. I think he's so much fun in this show. It is. This show is, is swinging for the fences. Every single episode, pure violent madness. It feels like uh super was a great setup for James Gunn for this show. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Super? Yes. Oh, of course you have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With with, with Rain. Yeah, Rain Wilson yeah. playing a guy yeah. delusional, and the violence though. And this is where James Gunn really knows violence. That one was really dark though. That was super dark. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he played Cormac McLaggen, uh, in in like the fifth Harry Potter film. Oh, yeah. I, I remember. I remember that character now. He's great as vigilante. Uh, yeah, he def- definitely. Definitely was a side side character. I love Tasha Jefferson. I've always loved her since Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. and she just always has this um, very genuine quality to her, and she's like super hilarious. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad she's in this, and it's so funny to see her dance during that intro. Yeah, thing. it is. It's funny to watch all of them dance, especially like the 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 little uh, judo uh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> judo master. Yeah, man. Who is this tiny dude who kicks the shit out of like everybody? And John Cena. And again, it's very mumblecore. He's like, I don't know, man. Smaller than normal people, like little doll people. They they wig me out. I just it's very creepy, very strange. Why is why do they have to be so small? <laughs> why do they have to be so small? It's weird. Am I wrong? Is and like it is. It's like and I grew up. I mean, we grew up in the '90s, and and you know, mumblecore is funny sometimes, and this really does dialogue scenes and this is funny kicking back to smash for just a second where it's like sometimes the gag goes on just a little bit too long and this show does that with some of the gags and then it knows when to stop it doesn't like Mm -hmm. make you sit so like the whole thing where he's arguing with the hospital orderly about smoking a joint with him and buying weed and he's just like i smoked a joint with you in the stairwell just that one time i know but it's like that bit goes on for like three seconds too long but then they sort of wink at the camera and they end the bit this show is brilliant at bringing the joke right up to the edge and then just pulling back exactly the right amount. It's it's hard to understate how funny it is. The guy that played that janitor, he's he's always been such a great uh, character actor. He's like in everything. Oh, he's hysterical in Shit's yeah. Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where I first it's, it's like so recognized him. Like, oh, he got another job. <laughs> he plays such a minor part, but yet he's still in the intro. <laughs> flipping around tons of minor be- it's great he's amazing it's so great with the bucket and the mop i yeah. mean it's just fantastic yeah 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 <laughs> and then we get uh um Chidukli. oh god can you help me uh chew uh, mr mern i can't pronounce his name i'm trying but it's so many consonants chuck would d awuji Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, man. I'm sorry. I'm white. I'm yeah, so you got to just charge it to the game, bro. Chuck Wadiawuji <laughs> as Mr. Mern. He's got a good seriousness, a good Amanda Waller quality to him. Mm-hmm. Feels very Amanda Waller. But we get Amanda Waller. So we get the call back to, uh, to I thought no, I thought no spoilers. Well, I'm saying she. we see her and she talks and we know that she's in the universe. But we're not spoiling mm-hmm. anything about why we see her or how she's involved. Just, hey, we're getting some Amanda Waller in this, too. Okay, cool. Um, Jennifer Holland as uh, Amelia Harcourt, which is the, 
the edgy one. Uh, she's the no yeah, nonsense. She was she was an original one of one yep. of the original Suicide Squatters for the movie. And then from also Steve Agee is John Economos. Um, or as yeah. he refers to himself, the economist. You don't fuck with the economist, yeah. son. <laughs> he, uh, he also st- stood in for King Shark. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Did he really during the mocaps in, yeah, uh, in Suicide the movie. Squad? That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> he is really funny when he when he fucks up later on. And he's like, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I do anything. Like, fuck, man. Like, he plays inept very well. And he's sort of like... Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, because we talked about this show coming out, we were watching the trailers and you were like, I don't know. They just went and got all the B side dudes from Suicide Squad to be his backing crew. And I think now in watching it in principle, I I think they were good choices. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's a great supporting uh, supporting uh, crew. Like, I mean, definitely. I was wrong on all accounts because the thing is, I was basing a lot of it off of the movie. He wasn't that good in the movie. But he he's really good in this. But this show uses flashbacks to the movie that like add gravity into those scenes again. You know, like the the flashbacks where you have him like really thinking about killing Colonel Flag. So well, no, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking I'm talking about um, reasons why I didn't think the show was going to work right, because right. they were using those actors. And you know the the economist guy, he wasn't that great in the movie. Oh, oh got it, got it. So got it, got it. that, yeah, that's what made me a little, um, you know, tepid about. I thought you were saying John Cena wasn't the that show. great in that movie. No, no, John Cena was great. He was one of the best things about the movie. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> He's so good. You know, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't immediately think that he was the character that you would make a live action movie based off of. You know, a live action TV show based off of. But yeah. you know, it, it works. You know? Well, and it's because this thing is about so much. Like this show gives us so much gravitas in the superhero like relationship between John Cena and his father Robert Patrick. That's so central to the show's tone and to its direction. Is John Cena trying to figure out how did I get here? Like how did I become this? Thing and what does it mean to be this thing? And so that's why he changes all the time because he he is a crazy person doing crazy things with crazy amounts of trauma. And so he goes, his emotions fly all over the map depending on what he's being exposed to in the moment. And John Cena plays that all so brilliantly and so perfectly. You really feel mm-hmm. his relationship with Robert Patrick as his father. It I, It's... It's surprising in a show that's about shooting people in the face that there's so much mm-hmm. emotional resonance in the characters that are shooting people in the face. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I love it. I love it. So everybody should watch Peacemaker. If you're listening to this, um, watch fucking Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I think? You know what I think, Arthur? I think that we but- should hold off on Book of Boba Fett. Okay. I think it's a good choice because really the entire episode, episode four, is a flashback episode. Yeah. So it didn't advance the plot in any way. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be another episode coming up. I think we both feel that the show was starting off great, but then it's but now it's not really getting anywhere. And we're hoping it's going to get somewhere. And so since it kind of, uh, I don't, I don't feel that way. You don't feel like it's not getting I just, anywhere. I've been, I feel like it's not getting. No, anywhere. I've been, enjo- I've been enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying know? the like nostalgia. I, 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 I I I I love what Favreau and Filoni are doing. Like 
They really love Star Wars, and they're giving us Star Wars on a weekly basis. I, I totally and not just, agree. They're I, like they're connected to Star Wars than J.J. Ab- Abrams ever was. J.J. <laughs> Abrams was so inundated with making sure he could make a great Star Wars thing, you know, without really super being being super connected to it. Like they threw, they just kind of threw a lot of things at us. Versus no like like they're very this awesome just like understanding of the character. Coming up with new storylines that totally fit that character's like universe without it being um, stale or you know or stifling or anything like, and 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 we just get all these really fun Star Wars moments too with practical effects and I just I'm enjoying the ride I I, I love it when it's being steered by somebody who really appreciates the stuff cares about the fans. And they're, you know, they're talented storytellers. I agree that all of those things are true in a sense. But at the same time, I feel like we are not advancing the story in the now. It's too many flashbacks in the beginning. I'm getting in the beginning. I want to know all of the stuff. But now I think it's taking a little bit too long to tell me backstory at the cost of advancing the actual in the now moment. I'm just I'm just saying I'm having a little trouble keeping track of when and where everything is sort of happening and it's just getting a little muddy for me. I wasn't trying to be overly critical. I know you love this shit. Uh, I promise you, uh, we're going to have more to say about it. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I'm just saying for me, it's getting a little bit muddy. That's all just a little bit, just a little bit. And I just want, I want to know a little bit more about what's at stake right now. Not how did you fix the thing so many years ago? That's all just a little bit of critique. Yeah. If somebody feels like they got some criticism for you, Arthur, where are they going to find you? Well, I mean, as, as far as you're criticizing me, I guess you could leave some message for me. <laughs> I guess you could leave some message for me on my website, www.arthurromeo.live. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at drawreallyawesomewow, all underscored on uh, Instagram. Uh, and where, where can I find you, buddy? Oh, well, people want to talk shit about me, they can do it to my face. But uh, <laughs> barring all that, you can reach out to me on Instagram at thomas.olton, spelled O-L-T-O-N. Or you can find our page on Instagram at tales underscore two underscore admonish. And if you would, please go to your favorite podcasting app of choice, rate and review the show, because it helps other people find us, and we could use a few of those. Please do. So, um, yeah, if that's something you like to do, please, by all means, do it. And if not, we totally understand. I don't rate the reviews often as I should. Yeah, we want to do some. We want to do some Mailchimp advertisements. <laughs> That's right. Don't make <laughs> us go out and start, you know, Mailchimp and all. It's not good. It's not good. We promise. We promise. We'll never do that. We'll never do that. But we will be back next week on. <laughs> the original Yahoo. <laughs> Yahoo. That, I don't I don't even know how to respond. All right, thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye.